I don't want to set the world on fire. I just want to start a flame in your heart. In my heart, I have a Welcome everyone to Greetings from Beyond Radio. And if I'm not mistaken, I know it's still season one, and I think this is episode seven. If I'm, yes, yay, I got it right. Okay, so I'm your host, Rich Valdez, and as usual is my co-host, Vicki Burnett. Say hi, Vicki. Hi, everyone. She's obedient. I love it. Okay. No, you said, say hi, Vicki. Uh-huh. You're getting closer. You're getting closer. Yeah. All right. So if anyone is listening out there in Radio Land and Podcast Land, you can watch us live or later on on uh, YouTube. And as you can see on your screen, we are featured on Spotify, Facebook, YouTube, Amazon Music, Paralanx, iHeart, Podcast Index, Samsung Podcasts, Listen Notes. And we also have Apple Podcasts. Google Podcast and Pandora. So for those of you that are listening to us, you can always go find us on YouTube under Greetings from Beyond Radio and watch everything, all the fun, all the visuals that happen that you guys miss out. Uh, but, you know, we're happy with everyone that's just listening in all around the world. And let me just, I, I got to give a shout out to Belgium uh, because they seem to really enjoy our show. Our numbers are way up there, and we thank you all the way from the United States, all the way to Belgium. Thank you so much for watching us and supporting us here on Greetings from Beyond Radio. And we would welcome a free ticket to come visit you so we can thank you in person. You know, I, I, I'd love to, actually, Belgium happens to be on, on my bucket list. Uh, that is one of the places I want to go to. What, what's your bucket list, Vicki? Oh, England, for sure, because I am a huge Henry VIII fan. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed, and um, before I pass, I want to be able to walk the places he walked. In particular, I have an affection for his first wife, Catherine of Aragon, so I'd want to go see her final resting place and, and pay tribute and respect to her, so that would be one of my biggest things for sure. Well, definitely um, England would be one of the places I'd love to go to, and especially after last week's guest with Evelyn Hollow. Scotland is definitely, and has always been, but definitely right, it just jumped right up there onto my bucket list. Uh, Ireland, of course, uh, Belgium, and there's, a. would uh, love to go to my native land, of course, Spain, and uh, visit and have some paella, which is, uh, you know, their famous dish in Spain. Um, 
hello from Indiana. We were getting hello from Pam Harris. Thank you for listening in, Pam. I appreciate it. Uh, we have, a, as usual, we have a plethora of guests. And if you guys have not had a chance to see all the past shows, we have some great topics on there. We've interviewed the godfather of the paranormal, John Zaffis, and he's on, on our YouTube page. Uh, you can watch that whenever you like. We've also recently just interviewed Evelyn Hollow. And today we will be paying homage to and and also uh interviewing mr mike ricksecker so you know stay tuned that'll be in the second hour of the show there's so much to talk about to be honest with you and the good thing is that he's coming on the second hour so people that don't have a chance right now can actually join in hello joanne how are you and oh and she's, wow okay so i just said you know belgium and bucket list and now we're getting everyone telling us where they're coming from indiana and joanne is from canada where in canada are you from from joanne if you don't mind me asking um i think i have been through indiana i'm not sure maybe not sure but it'll come to me one way or the other my age is not doing me any justice these days. Uh, but what's, you know, that everyone has a bucket list. I don't care who you are. It's things you've either, things that you want to do, places you want to go to, or what else? I mean, I, I, I know for a fact that it's always places I want to visit and see for myself. Make yeah, happen. I know. I know on my list, it wouldn't be anything in regards to possessions. Yeah. That is, I, I want experiences over possessions. Well, you've already had your Mustangs. Yes. So, you know, you, you've already lived your dream. But there is one Mustang that I know for sure you do want. I probably can't afford it. Exactly, because it's too, <laughs> <laughs> it's a classic. Yeah. Uh, she'd like to go, Pam would like to go to a, an investigation in Alcatraz. So... She'd say, no, I don't need the uh, tour. Just leave me in here. Would you like them to lock you up and just leave you there by yourself with a camera and a voice recorder so you can investigate Alcatraz? Is that the question? Is, is, is That's a question for you. What's your answer? Joanna's up by Ottawa. Yeah. Ottawa. 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 Quebec, Ontario. So, Pam Wood. Okay, you see, Pam's my kind of girl. I like that. Just lock her up with a video camera and a voice recorder, and maybe an EMF, and she's good to go. That's exactly what I would do. Well, uh, everybody's welcome if anybody wants to come. Now, since I've been a paranormal investigator, I've had a hard and fast rule that I do not investigate my own home. Under no circumstances will I investigate my own home because it creates too much of a possible relationship and and then make it more difficult for something to leave. So I have to tell you this week, now I am getting old. I'm older than you. Um, but I came home the other day and I don't watch cable or anything anymore. I stream and I stream through the Xbox because I don't have a smart TV. I got a dumb one. So I have to go through the Xbox. Okay. Yeah. So anybody that has an Xbox knows that the controller is a good size controller and mine happens to be white. Well, I have one control to turn on the TV and then I have the Xbox controller. 
I sit down, I'm getting ready to watch something. I reach over, I take the controller for the TV, I turn the TV on, and I can't find the controller for the Xbox. Now, remember, this is a good size controller. Yeah. So I stand up and I shake the blankets on the couch. I got two of them, one I sit on, one I cuddle with. I'm shaking them, you know, pretty vigorously trying to find this. I'm looking, I'm moving everything around. Now, my couch has a an arm at the end of it. On that arm is where I put my phone and it's where I typically put the Xbox controller once I've started the program, okay? So I'm looking all around, so I figure, you know what? My son, maybe he was in here because it is his Xbox after all, you know, he let me have it. But I'm like, maybe he came in here to randomly kick it old school and, and, you know, play a game. Maybe he went on to watch Megan because it's on Peacock now. And I go into his room and I say, "Um, do you have any idea where the controller is? And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, the Xbox controller. I look, and you know, because you've been here before, his room, I can look out his door and look into the living room. Right. And so I look out again, and I'm like, I'm like, I've looked everywhere. So I physically looked into the living room again. I said, I've looked everywhere for this Xbox controller. And I turned back again. I said, are you sure? Are you like awake? Do you know what I'm asking you? He's like, yeah, I didn't have anything to do with it. I'm like, I don't know where this thing is. I go to close his door. I look in the living room. There's that Xbox controller sitting on the arm of the couch. My phone is sitting right behind it. In the process of me shaking those blankets, at the very least, I would have hit that controller if it had been on the arm of that couch. Because I was like, eh, where is it? It landed. There it was. Landed perfectly. Joanne uh, says, my my smart TV is stupid. I say, fine, (laughs) help my house is haunted. My TV says, call 911. (laughs) Jesus. Um, (laughs) You know, it's funny. I was actually, uh, I was looking through YouTube the other day and things that you can I can't say it right now because it's it's in here with me. But you know, you know the the dot that you say that its name and you ask a question mm-hmm. starts with an A. Uh, things that you can ask and creepy things or responses that it comes back with. And sure enough, I I made a note of every single one of the things. And I went downstairs and I where I'm at right now and I started asking. And I I and I said, so and so, what's the truth? And I said, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> I was like, uh, Jack Nicholson is here somewhere? Because, wow, okay. But the things you find nowadays on social media, and it's it's funny how I was thinking about this the other day too. I remember when beepers first came out. And that was, I mean, back in the day, and, and I know this for a fact, when we had, landlines on either a wall or on a table um and someone called we usually had and this to leave a note that so-and-so called right? right and whenever you got back home you'd take a look and oh okay and then you'd call them back or someone would tell you your mom your dad brother or sister i didn't have any siblings but when beepers first came out i was like oh this is so great 
So it'd have the number of the person that was calling and also 911. I'm sure people remember that call right away or some some of people started finding out how to actually put words in there instead of just numbers. And I, I, I it's funny how far we've come from beepers all the way to this, which literally does everything for us. It's our planner. It, it literally uh, not only can we make phone calls, but we can take video, we can take photographs, we can take anything with these things. And we can watch movies on them, too. I mean, what's next? Yeah. And you know, you're talking about that. It actually reminds me, um, our guest tonight was on a podcast and he was talking about the mysteries of the pyramids and things like that, the circles in Ireland and things like that. And how people are just mystified, you know, the pyramids are tuned, I think he said, to like an F minor and this, that, and the other. And it's such a mystery. To me, it's simple. Back then, you had to use your brain power and you had to be at one with the earth. And I think that it that we as a society, we think that we're so superior because we have somebody invented something like this when in actuality it makes us lazier and it makes it us use less of our brain power so to me it's not a big mystery how come this thing is built this way and then this one is exactly this that and the other they respected and used what they knew about the earth and they used way more brain power than we are currently using me personally i still prefer to go down the route of using books as a form of knowledge. I, I like f the feel of the pages between mm -hmm. my fingers and taking the time to sit down and relax, shut the TV down, shut everything down. That doesn't exist anymore. Nowadays, everyone's reading articles or their Kindle, which I, you know, Kindle's okay, I guess, but I guess I'm old school where I prefer to actually feel the pages between my fingers and know that I'm turning it and having a marker, you know, that those things I, I remember when markers were the thing when barnes and noble sold all these fascinating markers nowadays you go to barnes and noble yeah you still have books but nowadays people don't even want to bother with that anymore and it's a shame we've broken away from the way things used to be yeah and it's dumb i i i call it the dumbing down of our society and that's precisely why they came up with this technology in the first place to keep us in place how many times have you walked into a location? Like, I guess here I am with my pen, you know, because I am right making notes here. Um, and you walk in and there's people, all of them, on their phone, just like this. No one talking to anyone. I've gone to parties where people are all on their phone and they're not talking to it. The, the whole purpose of a party, last time I checked, is to socialize. But everyone's too busy with these and that is a no-no. I, I, I feel we need to start a movement, Vicky, to break away from the dumbing down. All right? Because, come on. Well, you know where it started for me, um, putting my phone down at an event? Um, my kids were in marching band. Mm -hmm. And at the time, it, it was their particular high school was, you know, the most popular, the most incredible marching band that there was because they told stories rather than just traditional marching. And at first, when I'd go to the competitions, I'd have my phone up like all the other ones. And I'd 
No, no that's why we're taking pictures, though. No, no, I was recording. Yeah. Okay. And, but when I went back to look at the recording, it was nothing compared to putting my phone down and watching. Just watching what they did. And you know what? That's all here. I may have some that got deleted off of here, but it's always going to be in it. Well, until, you know, dimension well, yeah. kicks in. But <laughs> it's always going to be here. And I realized I wasn't enjoying the moment. I was so busy trying to capture it on an electronic device that I wasn't enjoying the actual moment. And that's when I started going to these competitions, putting the phone down and just enjoying. Well, you know, back in the day before camcorders came out and there was, you know, the 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 actual bigger versions with the, the, the VCR uh, tape inside and even the real ones. Um, there were fathers and moms that were using that and missing the moment because they were busy recording. So that's existed really since I'd say, what, the 60s, 60-ish and on, kind of, sort of. But we also have to remember that you do have a point there. We do miss the most important moments. But at, at the same time, just very much like you said, if dementia were to set in, it would be something to help you remember, jar your memory a little bit and have some semblance of that time, that place and time of when your daughter was in band or or whenever any of your kids were doing something special. That's something that we need to remember. Nowadays, we take advantage of all technology that we have, camcorders, even phones during investigations, but that's different. That's for an investigation, but I'm still the type of guy that brings a pen and paper and I make my notes during an investigation because you, you gotta, you have to mark down the times I call time stamping and you have to write down what happened, what was felt, what happened to you or the client involved. And that's very important. Those are notes that a lot of people, a lot of investigators nowadays, unfortunately don't do and they should. Yeah. A lot of times, um, if we don't happen to, I, I remember I always kept in the investigation suitcases, these little tiny mini notebooks and pencils mm. so I could hand them out. I mean, anybody who is on an investigation and doesn't happen to have pen and paper, if you have your recorder going, you can always do a timestamp that way. Um, I was just watching somebody today reminding people who are investigating, if you have any pieces of equipment that have the date and time, make sure those are all accurate before you start your investigation, just so everything's synced up. So if you need to check something, it's all, you know, tied in together. So one of, one of the things that a lot of people don't understand is it's very important to take notes during an investigation. It's not about bells and whistles and all the equipment that you bring with you. If, if, if some phenomenon starts to happen, let's say at 3.05, okay, uh, in the morning, and, and, and you don't have something to record this with, okay, you better start getting someone to start writing down at 3.05, this phenomenon started happening. Make sure that you're getting the equipment you need to start recording what's happening because there might be there might be some correlation with what happened mm -hmm. and and if there is and it's around the time that this phenomenon starts taking place there may be some historical reason as to why something that something that was imprinted back in time and that's very important and a lot of people don't seem to understand the importance of 
using pen to paper. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the way you can distinguish between something that's residual. That's just the earth playing back that memory as opposed to an intelligent haunt. You know, I've always wondered, is it the earth or the area? Because there's, there's a lot of people that always say houses have memories. So the house would be the area. And could it be just the house that the walls, if the walls could speak, how many times have you heard that, Vicki? If the walls could speak. I think that that energy can get trapped in there. It doesn't mean there's any intelligence to it. It's just, it was such a huge amount of energy exerted at that moment in time that it made a fingerprint, if you will, in that area. Or repetition. The first time I ever firsthand experienced something, it was centered around a living person. Uh, it was a Sunday night. My mom had gone to church. And um, my daughter and I were back in the bedroom and we heard very clearly, my mom opened the door to the family room. Uh, we heard what sounded like her keys and her purse. My daughter even yelled grandma and she ran out of the room and I kept waiting for her to come back. And I finally walked through and I'm like, where's grandma? My son had been there playing video games with his friend and he's like, grandma hasn't come home. That sound repeated because for you know, 40, at that point, probably 45 years, my mom had come in that door every Sunday night from church and did that exact same thing. And it wasn't even centered around someone who was deceased. It happened while she was alive. It was energy. So, mm -hmm. so yeah. that's just, that just proves it doesn't even have to be related to a spirit. It can be around the living. It's just something that we don't, quite understand yet we're we're getting an understanding of it but we're not quite there yet uh there there seems to be a lot of investigating or actually i should say research scientifically done in order to capture what causes this what triggers it how is how is it that this happens on a regular basis and it doesn't have to be because you're dead it could be with the living it, it happens all the time i'm sure so I, it, that that jarred a memory with me, and I remember I was fourteen at the time. I was I was staying with a friend. It was an overnight party. We were upstairs. We were watching TV. I forgot what we were watching. I got hungry, and I decided to go downstairs. Now my friend had warned me that she lived in a haunted house. Now it was me, one other girl, and and three of us guys okay we were just hanging out we were spending the night we were all just blocks away i got hungry i decided to go downstairs and hello anthony how are you and i as i start making my way to the stairs and i started heading down the stairs now mind you it's one of those stairs that goes up and then there's like a little landing and then you keep going up so i started to go down the first or the last landing of the stairs and i i i was i was i was hearing this boom 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 getting louder 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 and i was like what the hell is that and as i got closer i realized and i looked down and there was this shadow person i just don't know what else to describe it coming up the stairs it was solid it looked solid to me I, I couldn't define the eyes or any details to clothing. It just seemed to be just all black, but you could tell where the eye sockets were, the nose, the eyes, the ears, and everything. And it was 
going on that one landing just before heading up the stairs towards where I was about to head down. And as I took that other step, it went through me. And I, I, I wanted to share that with you because eventually I'm going to share that with our guests later on. And I found that to be not only terrifying because I'm 14 years old, and but I was like, uh, I lost my appetite, forgot to go downstairs to get that other slice of pizza, ran back to the room. And I said, what the hell is in your house? And why is it wearing black? And why does it go through people? Um, what did it feel like when it went through you? It felt like if a breeze could go through a person, that's what it felt like. But it was a cold breeze. And I could literally feel it go through me completely and all the way to the back. I felt the, the cold hit me, go inside and out my back. It was the weirdest thing. And it, and I did have hair back then. I'm sorry, I haven't always been prematurely bald. And I felt my hair also kind of like kick back as well, which was very, very weird for me at the time as a kid. That was my first time, my first run-in, literal run-in with a shadow person. And I know I've had many other situations over the years that I've been investigating where I've had to deal with shadow people. What, what have been your experiences when it comes to that? Well, one of them, uh, we named him Shadow Man. Okay. It was in a particular residence that I still use to this day for training purposes. The homeowner originally had said... Is it the place that you took me to? Mm, the place where they didn't like you and they called you names? Yeah. Not the homeowner, the, the spirit. I was going to say, I thought it was that. <laughs> I was being nice, but okay. <laughs> no, the spirit, the spirits cussed you out. But anyway, right. um, so the first time I started going there, they, um, you know, they said they had all these experiences and they've seen this, that, and the other. But I had sent uh, two investigators into this one particular room and they were doing an EVP session. And all of a sudden they saw what I guess would be a description of a shadow man. Just in fact that it was, it was large enough that they assumed that it was a male. Uh, it was solid black. It actually blocked out the light that was coming through. Cause this room had multi-purposes. So it had like a French door and they had a blind. So you could still see the light coming from the other side when you were in the dark room mm -hmm. and he would walk straight in front of this door and you know they left <laughs> and we ended up with an evp in that particular room because the investigators had said is there anything we can do to help you and the evp just as clear as i'm saying it was like a man clenching his teeth together he said you're wasting your time but it was like he said it just like that and so through the years shadow man has made appearances including i had a seasoned investigator with me one time and he stepped out of one room and Shadow Man was standing at the end of where he was looking. And he was like, oh, snap, there's something here. And I'm like, very calm. I'm like, okay, do you have your camera? Can you get a picture? And so this shadow person went around the corner and then back through and blocked out the light of that same French door, but from a different side. Mm -hmm. And then one time I had my entire team there and we were in that room. It had been turned to a media room at that point. So there was a very large TV and a sectional at the other side. And we were all sitting there. Every single one of us witnessed. He started to pace 
in front of that television set. And he went back and forth, back and forth, blocking out the TV. And one of the reasons why I use it for training is because I'm making sure that potential team members can uh, handle it when it comes to investigations. I brought this one guy there. I like to refer to him as my Ken doll. And um, so I brought him there. It was his first investigation. I took him in that room because I knew that Shadow Man was going to pace. And I sat where Shadow Man would have been walking. And he, I had the guy facing me. After a few minutes, he's like, um, Vicky, um, there's like this really big shadow walking in front of you. And I'm like, yeah, that's Shadow Man. Just say hello. And um, that was the last I ever saw of our Ken doll, by the way. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but now Shadow Man, as far as this residence, um, Shadow Man has not made any physical appearances for anybody in a few years. Yeah, I guess I'm going to have to go back there, pick pick a time, and we'll go and see if, you know, Shadow Man makes an appearance for me. Because uh, I've I've experience he doesn't like men so there's a whenever i would bring a man to that house he would show up now if i brought all females he usually did not typically he did not make an appearance but as long as i had males that he was unfamiliar with then he would show out and in fact i brought another psychic at the time and she made contact with shadow man and he said he said well now he thinks it's his job to protect the girls, which were the homeowners. And then she looked at me and he, and she said, he thinks you're one of his girls too. And he protects you when you're here. Well, you, you know, ironically, we're here talking about shadow people. And I, I happen to know for a fact that our producer, Jen, has had an experience and, and she actually wasn't terrified. Now I'm, I'm getting at something here, mind you, uh, because I was terrified. I was 14 years old when I first saw mine. And quite frankly, that was like, you know, you're 14. Come on. What, this is not something that you're expecting to see. Uh, with you, uh, what emotions has it invoked with you? Because I know with me, it was terror. But later on in life, as I started, to, you know, investigating for real, I know that there were times where I'd feel dread. That This is part of my empathic side. I'd feel a little dread, a little fear, but there were also times I didn't feel anything at all, to be honest with you, almost as if they were just there, almost like passing through. Where would you categorize the feelings that you've had whenever you've had these experiences? Um, and with that particular shadow man, more than anything, I felt sad. I felt, even though I call him shadow man and he presented himself like we will talk about later um, with our guest, you know, just that solid figure where you can't make out any facial features or anything like that. That's how he presented himself. Right. Um, I always felt that he was human and I felt that he was trapped there because he had done something that he regretted. And um, I'm hoping that the reason he hasn't shown up in a few years is that he finally listened to all my uh, talks that I had with him about going to the other side, that, you know, keeping himself here, he was creating his own hell instead of just going to the other side and taking care of things when he gets there. Um, but I felt, you know, I felt more sad than anything else. He never intimidated me. And I did. There was one point where I was babysitting their animals and I spent the night. I was in the master bedroom. And he stood by that bed 
almost the entire night. And I did not, my gut was telling me that he wasn't trying to intimidate me. He wasn't trying to scare me. He was actually protecting me because there were other things in the house. And I felt he really was protecting me. You know, I've, I've had many theories floating around over the years. And one of which I happen to agree with is that just because they're shadow people or shadow as they decide to present themselves to you as does not mean they're evil right. or bad or, or they were bad. I, I heard another theory years back that entertained the possibility that the reason that they're shadowy is because they have not advanced much in the spirit realm yet to where they can actually manifest how they looked when they were mm -hmm. living. And I, I tend to agree with that one as well. What are your feelings on, on that theory? Um, I absolutely, I think that that could be a possibility. It could also be a possibility that even though I don't think they're always evil or mean spirited or have any ill intent, they could keep themselves in shadow form to reduce the chance of them being identified. So it could be that they're trying to keep their identity on the down low, although they could maybe manifest themselves so that someone could see them and therefore try to figure out who they are. But maybe they just choose to stay anonymous and that's why they don't fully form. So that would, but that would suggest they did something bad in life. Yeah, it would, or they just don't want to be bothered. And they think if you have too much specific information that that makes them weaker or you're going to, you know, bring a relative, depending on how long ago it was that they passed away, you're going to bring a relative over to try to talk them, you know, to the other side or to ask them to stop doing this, that or the other. There's a lot of reasons why they would want to stay anonymous and not necessarily because, you know, there's a warrant out for them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, By the way, did you see that video that's going around where the, this this cop goes out and he's going to try to help save this turtle? And so the cop goes in the middle of the road to save this turtle. All of a sudden, this turtle takes off doing 60 to the other side of the road. So the guy goes in. You know that turtle had some warrants out. That's why he ran for the cops. <laughs> oh, God, please. Uh <laughs> Now that's a first because I've never heard of a turtle actually moving that fast. It look it up. It was it was I'll, I'll look it up. But it it, <laughs> so you know, there there's there's a lot of people out there right now listening in and 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 they're possibly wondering why are we talking about shadow people? Why are we talking about this, that, and whatnot? Well, it, it just so happens that we happen to have uh our guest later on in the second hour of the show that has written a book about shadow people and actually has been uh, featured on several TV shows on Travel Channel, Discovery Plus, and History Channel, just to name a few, when it comes to the subject matter. But I figured, why not weigh in on our experiences? Now, I can't say I've ever experienced Bigfoot. I can't say I've ever, well, I have experienced a UFO, maybe two. And if there have been other experiences, they must have knocked me out and there must have been some anal probe that I don't know of. And thank God for that, because you know what? I don't want to know. Does that explain why you're an a-hole sometimes? Mm -hmm. And that in itself is 
one of the many things because he, he's been also on ancient aliens by the way mm -hmm. uh so we have to somewhat kind of chime in a little bit so for those of you uh that are listening in if you've had any experience whatsoever with any of these subject matters shadow people um when it comes to bigfoot aliens ufos i don't care chime in please and you know oh yeah of course jenna's gonna laugh yeah uh yeah hey i got jen. you girl i got you girl <laughs> yeah whatever hey jen why don't you chime in and share with us your story your experience at osph um at down shadow hall of what you saw with your own eyes and let people know that it's not always a negative thing to see a shadow person you know i think it's actually it's a not great. always a negative thing to see a shadow person okay. <laughs> oh, she follows directions much better than did I, I do that right did i say that correctly yes dear you did now go ahead and share your story because i actually think it's very it's it's actually very pretty it's a nice story i, I think i actually shared it it was a couple episodes ago um but it was one of i would say the it was it was mesmerizing to see it but we were sitting down a uh, shadow hallway and we had sat down towards the end we had two chairs and the rest of the investigators were kind of sitting on the floor and they had their cameras out but two of us were just we were sitting there and we were just looking down the hallway asking a few questions and I don't know if I was the first one to see it, but I was the first one to, to say anything. But I had seen one figure come this way, kind of at an arch, and another one come within the same side of the hallway like this. And they stood there, pure black figures, because we had all the lights off, we had the doors closed, but you could see this swaying motion, like they were dancing. And at first, I looked at the other investigator and I'm like, do you see that? And he's like, yeah, do you see that? I'm like, yeah. But we were the only two that were really paying attention, I guess, to see it. And he's like, are they walking this way? Are they like floating? I'm like, no, it looks like they're, they're being like in that one particular area, but they were dancing with each other now would you say there was intelligence to this or was this a memory was this like an imprint i don't know because we didn't we didn't see it after that i mean we got up and as soon as we were walking down the hallway it stopped did it invoke any kind of emotion in you as you watched this i think that me and the other investigator that was with me we kind of we stood there like in awe like it was it was a moment maybe some patients there had shared. Maybe they knew each other. Maybe uh, one of the patients had passed on and, you know, was greeted by a loved one. And they just decided to stay there. I I don't know, but it was, it was one of the, it was, it was a beautiful moment. It wasn't scary. Um, the investigators that had their cameras, they never captured it on camera. But we know that we saw it with our own eyes because we we sat there and we watched it. 
you know that that's another phenomenon i can't stand when you you have all your equipment and it doesn't even capture anything at all whatsoever mm-hmm. and i know i've had it too uh, uh vicky's had this happen where uh two voice recorders will be in the same vicinity and one will pick something up but the other one won't pick up an evp but they were right there not like they were right next to each other they were in the same freaking room and they didn't pick up that one evp or two or however many there were that were captured in one versus the other i i can't stand that that that, that to me is frustration at the most but also thinking back at it i mean that was seven years ago give or take six and a half seven years ago when i saw that there no i'd say that was close to seven years yeah about seven years no eight come to think of it let's go for 10. yeah let's go for 10. Well, i think it was eight because we just we just celebrated our six and six year anniversary and yeah. you know so it had to be eight years i'm thinking give so, or take yeah seven or eight years but if you think back we actually celebrated our first year anniversary at osph because they made the cake and everything for us well we didn't plan for that that just happened out of the blue that that just happened um i was informed that they wanted to do something but i was like okay. but that's that's not when that experience happened though um no no that was yeah. before i had met you yeah but when we went we were down that hallway because if you remember we were taking the pictures with uh at that time i think the the other team that we were with um and that particular hallway felt a lot different it felt a lot heavier it it didn't feel right in that area but when i saw the shadow figures it felt empty like nothing was there we didn't expect to capture anything at all. And then that happened out of the blue. It was like a magic moment. But when that we was were, what I was trying to invoke. Yeah. But we were there. It, it felt off. It felt heavy. It, I don't think that maybe if those two shadow figures are still there, maybe they're being held back. Or maybe they're not there anymore. I don't know. But that hallway was, it was way off that night. And when you were talking about uh, having multiple recorders and only one of them picking up an EVP, I actually don't find that frustrating. I find it validating. Because Mm -hmm. at least it eliminates that it's not actual background noise. Because with the vicinity of the recorders, if it was a background noise, it should pick it up if they're the exact same brand recorders within a general area, same area. If it's background noise, it would pick it up. So I actually feel that whatever spirit is there is concentrating its energy specifically on that recorder. So I find it more validating. What I found frustrating is we were on an investigation and there was a ginormous bang. I mean, it sounded like you would have thought like this big dresser had fallen over and, you know, landed bam on a wood floor. We all witnessed it. Every single one, multiple recorders. It wasn't on a single recorder. Some people have speculated that when those things happen, it's actually not a physical sound in the room, which is why the recorders don't pick it up. It's actually a psychic imprint. And at that same time, you're all experiencing that same psychic imprint from the spirit that's connecting with you on a different level. He had something similar in the same location 
to where it was actually that that same well not the same night where i saw the shadow figures but the night where we we had the celebration and everything it was down one of the hallways that was supposed to be closed off that they had opened and they were down the hallway and i was not i would say maybe what a yard or so down the down the opposite hallway and they heard what sounded like a bang no and a metal desk that was dragging yeah what we heard was was uh think of a metal desk being scraped across the floor and making this very very scrapey long sound and everyone that was in the room and i'm trying to remember how many people were in the room with me at the we time five including like all five people five, we all, five people heard it and uh someone else downstairs heard it as well and came back up from the basement because we opened the door and we said did you guys hear that did anyone hear that i went down the hall asking you, around you had to ask me because i was in that yeah. hallway and i heard nothing they heard nothing at all so it was isolated to just us and someone downstairs from us that was in the basement area and i'm thinking to myself well years later i'm thinking this is the same phenomenon that hans holzer actually explained away when it came to the amityville shooting with the with the uh the fails how could he have shot let's see there were two brothers two sisters so there was uh two four six family members with a shotgun not a shotgun a rifle actually and no one no neighbors heard these shots go off nor nor did when, when he shot into the other siblings rooms or the parents rooms why no one, could not mm -hmm. the next door room hear it exactly that, that would have woken you up like a paranormal vacuum is created well he he stated in 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 his writings that he believed there was a huge field of EMF that blocked out the sound from actually leaving that area. So I'm here thinking, how is that possible? You know, well, how is it someone downstairs from us heard the same noise, but no but one else only did? One. Only that one. It was one person. No, but he later on told me there were two other people that heard it too, but no one on that one floor except for that one room heard it. Because I, I remember running down the hall and asking you, do you hear that? And no one heard it. And ironically, that's when all hell broke loose that night, too. And we won't get into that. Yeah, we won't discuss that. Yeah. I have a weird question for you guys. In this location, did anybody experience anything with their stomach? Oh, so it was you. Okay. All right. Yeah. As you're telling the story, I'm... As you're telling the story, I'm getting something about my stomach. So yes, it was me and another um, male individual that was down the hall that oh, was yeah. experiencing almost the same thing I was when we had to be removed from the situation. Yeah. Hello, Lisa Delray Beach, Florida. Everyone's telling us where they live. I I, I love that. Thank you, Jen, for joining us and, and sharing your stories and experiences with us. Um, have fun, guys. Yeah. It is, uh, give or take about 14 minutes. 14 more minutes. That's good. Thank you very much. You're doing an amazing job as usual. Um, so Delray Beach, you know, uh, finally getting some people from Florida. This is awesome. 
you know, not not downing. We've had quite a few. We've had quite a few from Florida. Not I don't know why it doesn't show up on that because it did. It, it finally started showing up two okay. weeks ago. Yeah, because I know that I had Maria, um, both two Marias, um, both live down here. They should have showed up on some kind of report. And Lisa has tuned in every single week. Uh, my friend Meg has tuned in every single week, and she's in Port St. Lucie, Stewart area. So yeah. There's some some Florida, but they might be doing either Facebook or YouTube, and I think those were downloads. It's possible. Actually, it doesn't matter if it's downloads or whatnot. It still pops up, but it, we we appreciate everyone listening in and joining in. And by the way, anyone that's in the chat room right now, if you have any questions, feel free to ask. Uh, we have now 13, maybe 12 minutes left before we have to go to our commercial break and welcome in our guest for the uh, evening, it'll officially be evening by then. So um, <clears throat> I'm glad that Jen was able to share that with us because <clears throat> to me, that her experience eight years back and the experience that we experienced uh, in the same location was very, you know, terrifying to be honest with you. It, it was one that I, I I'm happy that we all walked away from, but one that I would not suggest people to go through ever. Uh, there were no shadow people witnessed at that time, but it was it was a phenomenon nonetheless, and we all had something to say about that experience. The one that stands out the most was what happened to Jen, but that'll be talked about at another time. And wink, wink, you know, I, I can't really get into it, but. Um, I think we're going to do everything we possibly can in our power to undo the rumors that shadow people are all bad. Okay. I'm wearing black right now. I'm not a bad guy. Well, I, I could be sometimes. Okay. Vicky, I saw that look. Yeah. You know oh, what? No, no, I, I, I do have to. Yes. I have to personally disprove that because I have seen shadow figures many times at said location and other locations. Um, they were not bad. Um, there were there was maybe a couple out of you know the handful that I've seen that have been, I guess, nitpicky. They weren't bad, but they were kind of like in your face. Uh, but the one in particular that I just talked about, it was more of a magical type thing, and they were you there were no there were no distinctive like you couldn't see their face you couldn't right. see hair you could just see them like they were floating with each other swaying swaying yeah. almost as if they were dancing well they were swaying but with as dark as it was they were they were darker than the dark so they stood out and that would be the typical i guess shadow figure as people would call them and there, there was no, they weren't bad. They were just minding their own business. So I, I would have to say, people saying that shadow figures are bad is, I would say that's incorrect. I agree. Because we really don't know what they are. are were they human? A lot of people want to throw out that they were demonic. Or aliens. Yeah. They're throwing out that theory. 
I, I mean, if this was two two demonic figures dancing with each other, I would say that's cool. And you know, that would label me as a bad person for saying that a demon was pretty or magical. So so I I would have to disprove that that all shadow figures are bad. Well, hopefully, too, tonight um, our guests can really go through the definition of what he considers. Does he take out of the equation these shadows that people see that are not? Because we know that some of them have been reported with the hats and some of them have been reported with the scraggly hair and some have been reported with the overcoat, some with cakes. And it'll be interesting to see if he thinks that all things that appear in shadow are in that same category with shadow people or only certain types and certain descriptions belong under the umbrella of shadow people. I think the only thing that they really have in common is their shade of color, to be honest with you. And it depends on the situation. Uh, we, we've had many cases where shadow people have been seen, the hat man has been seen, and it hasn't been bad. Uh, and it, there have been some where it's been very bad. It depends on how they choose to come across. Or is it possible? Is, this is just a theory that I've been working on for several years now. Is it possible? Is it possible that this is just the way it is? So, you know, a little, we'll be talking more about this and our guest. Um, so, I'm going to go through a few picks just to give people, you know, let their appetite for our next guest. And that way people get an idea of what he's been doing. So let's shoot those pictures out and Vicki, go ahead and read them off if you prefer. <laughs> All right. So a walk in the shadows. This is a complete guide to shadow people. Um, I think this is the book. If I remember, I think it was published in 2020. I think that's his most comprehensive work. On, a, on shadow people and we have a system of the dead which that looks intriguing as well there um the alaska's mysterious triangle i have to say until our guest i knew we were having him on the show i hadn't really delved too much into the alaska triangle situation and so we definitely want to touch on that because I was unaware until I started doing my research. And this is, he's also provided some forwards to books. This was Encounters with the Paranormal. And it says that he wrote the foreword of that book. The Inscription of Evil Times, which is Ghost Story and Case Files. That looks interesting. And this is another Ghostorian, Ghostorian Case Files, Volume 1. I imagine these are like conglomeration stories where he talks about his different experiences. Um, and this is another book with the foreword written by him, Encounters with the Paranormal, Volume 4. Campfire Tales. Mysteries of the Church of Darkness. That looks interesting as well. It's another one that's a, a compilation of different files. And here's volume two of the same series, Encounters with the Paranormal, where he's written the foreword. And he was also featured on the Travel Channel um, with the Alaska Triangle series. I believe it was a uh, docu-series. Ancient Aliens. 
there you go so uh when we come back we will have mike ricksecker with us and don't go anywhere ladies and gentlemen we'll be right back after these few short words from our sponsors stick around
Welcome back to Greetings from Beyond Radio, ladies and gentlemen. And with no further ado, let's bring on our guest, Mike Ricksecker. Hi, Hello, Rich Mike. and Vicky. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Great. How are how you? Are you? Doing pretty well, thanks. So, thanks for being with us tonight, by the way. Oh, yeah, yes. absolutely. I appreciate you having me. You've had a very busy schedule. I noticed you were in Egypt last so I'm sure that was quite the trip there and quite the adventure. Oh, yeah, sure yeah, just got back last that. week. Sure, we could do that. Go ahead, sure. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> that's almost like where to start. Yeah, I know, um, right? Yeah, I mean, later on this evening on uh, on my channel, the Mike Ricksecker channel, um, I'm doing a whole recap of that trip. But, uh, you know, it was basically a, a 13 13 day trip out in Egypt uh, tour. Uh, we're doing another one next year. So there's something that I'm uh, doing on a yearly basis here. And um, you know, the tour is called Stargates of, of Ancient Egypt. So we were on the uh, the search for the, the hidden stargates there uh, within Egypt, which there are many actually. But, um, you know, we hit the Giza Plateau, the different pyramids. We had two hours all to ourselves, just our little group within the Great Pyramid. Um, we went to uh, Saqqara, the Step Pyramid, did the Bent Pyramid as well, and uh, a lot of the different temples like Dendara, Abydos, uh, Karnak, and Luxor. So, yeah, we did a lot. It must be very difficult to uh, come up with words to describe it, but if you could, what is it like actually standing inside a pyramid? It's life-changing. You know, the first time, especially the first time, you know, you're just completely awestruck. You know, you're just... You see photos, you see videos, documentaries, and you know they just don't do it justice until you're standing 
right inside there and you're looking up and it's just mind-boggling how they were able to construct these things because it's just massive it actually makes you wonder if the movie stargate had actually anything to do with uh with that and being that that movie was based off of aliens or extra dimensional uh I wonder if there was some form of technology that was being used back then that we're just not aware of or just now tapping into. Oh, absolutely. Because you, you look at, uh, you know, some of our biggest cranes stay and they, they can't lift some of these different objects. So there's definitely a technology that they had back then that we don't have now or just starting to get. It's, it's amazing though. Even Atlantis was considered to have been constructed with the aid of technology that we don't even know about to, to this very day. So I wonder if they were onto something that we're not today. Well, and we find the origins of the Atlantis story there in Egypt. You know, that's where yeah. you know it got handed down to Plato was from Solon, who had visited Egypt and got the story from the Temple of Sais, which is now destroyed. So we only have you know scant fragments of the story today. I, I find that fascinating, and and also you, you've had involvements with the Alaskan Triangle, which is very fascinating show and also the book as well i find that to be interesting because the a lot of the phenomenon that surrounds that area that one triangle area um seems to be a, a, a hodgepodge of everything ufos aliens bigfoot uh even people disappearing as far back as 1950s from what i understand uh where there was a tour bus uh, that was that went, that disappeared and they or was it a tour but no it was an airplane that went down they never they never found it yeah there's a lot that that's happened there in alaska even predates 1950 but yeah the one from um the one from 1950 there was the uh douglas skymaster in yes not long after later that year um they have the uh the alaskan broken arrow uh to this day somewhere in the ocean out there is a nuclear bomb that um, that's just sitting at the bottom. So uh, there's a lot of strange things that that occur up there. And we have these triangle areas all over the world like this. But Alaska yeah. um, is a location that, you know, when we talk about energy. Well, this is a, uh, you know, kind of like a massive cocktail of different energies. Uh, when we talk about like the, the magnetism from the earth, when we talk about seismic and volcanic energy, and then of course, um, the uh, the energy coming from the sun the the solar wind which is uh, our magnetic shield is thinner there we, that's why we have the aurora borealis is that those uh, flares hit against the ionosphere there and that you know supercharges the area so yeah it's this uh, fantastic area and strange things happen yeah you know, there's a lot of theories i know that some of them go towards the logical such a large area we know that there are if you were to go down in an airplane, there's possible caverns, caves, snow covering you. And it's such a large area that it's so hard to find people. So there's the side of the spectrum that says there's absolutely illogical because this is just such a vast wooded area. It makes sense that if you wander in there, you're going to get lost and maybe not found. There's the school of thought. That there's something mysterious going on that you have all these different weird things that are lining up and you're having these alien sightings and Bigfoots and all those kind of things. How about the middle of the road theory? <laughs> Combination. Yeah. I mean, well, and, and it well, is. I mean, I mean obviously you do have uh, some people that, you know, go out into the woods and get lost or get eaten by a bear or something like that. Um, that, that happens. But, you know, some of these, uh, disappearances are very, very 
strange. Um, one individual in the middle of a very public uh, race, it was called the Mount Marathon race about uh, 12 years ago, in the middle of the race disappears. Nobody's ever found him. Um, you know, no body was ever found. Nothing just completely disappears into thin air. Uh, you've had, you know, a couple of really, really high profile disappearances up there. In 1972, it was... Uh, House Majority Leader Hale Boggs, along with Congressman, oh, yeah. uh, Congressman Nick Begich, that went missing somewhere in the Portage Pass, never to be found to this day. 50 years later, not a single shred of evidence has ever been found of them. And you're talking, you know, the biggest search and rescue mission that we had ever put together at that time was launched. They used spy planes, all kinds of things to try to find them. Nothing ever. So, yeah, some of these disappearances are, are very bizarre indeed. Agreed. And there's uh, plenty of areas, and I, and I know I happen to live in one of those areas that happens to encompass, and so does Vicky, the Bermuda Triangle. Mm. <laughs> and that's around Florida, and it goes, I believe, to the Bahamas and then the Bermuda uh, Islands and back, if I'm not mistaken. <clears throat> many planes have fallen, many planes have disappeared, many ships as well. And that is something that they always contribute to the seismic plates and a lot of the magnetic or as we like to call it emf uh that that happens to be resonating in that area but i i, I have yet to hear of any bigfoot sightings when it comes to the the, the bermuda triangle but i'm sure there's been maybe some <laughs> sea monsters that we've possibly you know not seen but that, that this seems to be at anywhere and everywhere throughout the world as this was addressed earlier so what actual research or, or investigation is there still ongoing investigations as to why these things are happening? And I know they're still looking for these ships and these planes and these individuals that have, have gone missing. But are they trying to find a way to actually predict when things like this can happen in these well, areas? And that's that's kind of the thing. It's it's not very predictable at all. It's like you're you're trying to predict a, an earthquake, and you know you you might be able to figure out, you know, that there's some welling of energy in the area. Um, but, you know, you don't know when that's actually going to, you know, get set off. And really what's happening here is, you know, you have the, uh, the magnetism from the Earth's core that is rising up through the ground. And there's, you know, different metals and minerals and things like this within the Earth's mantle and the crust. And as it passes into those things, creates different magnetic fields. And so, it's really dependent upon what's in that area, what that uh, magnetic energy is interacting with that is going to create some of these things. And, you know, like uh, with most other things in uh, in our world, uh, these energies kind of ebb and flow. Um, it's you know, not exactly, um, you know, predictable because, you know, you're talking you know, waves of energy that uh, kind of pulsate and, and, you know, permeate up through and sometimes you have a uh, much larger pulse sometimes you have a much lighter one kind of like with with the sun sometimes we have a massive uh solar flare and sometimes we have some smaller ones so um it, it's not always predictable as to how strong something is going to be now hypothetically speaking if you were to actually be able to live in this area in the alaskan triangle do you think that all of these scientific things that are present, all of the energy fields and all the things that people are talking about, do you think that that could actually encourage spirit activity as well? 
Well, people do live in the Alaska Triangle for, for one. Uh, it's a very, very large area of land stretching from Juneau to Anchorage all the way to the very northern tip, Yukiavik. It's roughly the size of uh, California, a little bit a little bit bigger. And I actually lived up there for, uh, for three years. Um, and yeah, I mean, this, this will certainly encourage spirit activity. Um, I've had experiences with shadows up there, actually myself and, uh, you know, many of my, um, many of my colleagues, uh, working there at the Alaska command building. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that with that type of energy, this is going to, you know, help encourage things like, uh, you know, portals and things like that to open up for these sorts of things to be able to pass through or maybe even some sort of, uh, you know, time slip that might be able to have a uh, much better chance of being able to, uh, to be spawned up. Time slips I'm a strong believer in because, uh, you know, as we all know, there's more than one dimension. There's many people that don't even understand extra dimensional creatures, extra dimensional slits and windows. Uh, in fact, uh, the, the last guest that we had last week was talking about an experience she had when she was a child. And I feel it may have been an extra dimensional window that she was privy to at that moment in time that she was able to witness something that she had never seen before and never seen again. And uh, I've always wondered, it, it, I don't even think it matters where. It could, this could happen at any time, but there seems to be areas much like the Alaskan Triangle, the Bermuda Triangle, and many other areas throughout the world where this readily happens, unannounced and, and with no prediction whatsoever. But I would personally, if I had my way, I, I would actually tape off the whole area <laughs> to avoid <laughs> you know, having these you know, horrendous things happen. That's just my opinion. Um, but what are your what are your feelings when it comes to because we get Bigfoot sightings all the time. Is there more Bigfoot sightings in these areas or is it that, you know, they've noticed that there are? Bigfoot sightings there, or does it happen a lot? Well, I mean, you're talking Alaska. This is a very remote area, so mm -hmm. it would it'd be very conducive for uh, you know something like Bigfoot to hang out at. Uh, you, but like the American Northwest, like Washington State, of course, you have mm -hmm. a lot of Bigfoot sightings there, but not really known to be uh, an active triangle area or, or anything like that. Uh, of course, they, they do have volcanic activity there, uh, like Mount St. Helens, but you know, you don't really hear of like Washington State Triangle or, or anything like that. So I don't necessarily uh, you know, think the, uh, the triangle has a part to play in the Bigfoot sightings, except for the sense that, you know, Alaska is very remote and that, um, you know, you have these other type of creatures there that, you know, perhaps don't want to hang around human activity, even like with uh, UFO sightings, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's going to be a wonderful place for uh, UFOs and ETs to kind of hide out and establish a base because there are so many areas of Alaska uh, which just aren't inhabited. So it's a great place to hide. That said, I think something like a, uh, a UFO, their craft, or whatever technology that they're using, because they could be traveling interdimensionally or something like that, you know, they could be doing something to harness the energy of that area uh, to be able to either charge their ship or to be able to charge their technology or uh, to power it, you know, to go to these different places. Agreed. Could you tell us more about, I know that there's a couple of um, native, um, I guess you would say tribes that are around there that came up with a theory that this might be the work of a shapeshifter. Um, yeah, you have the Inuit and the Tinglet. Um, 
yeah, there are different shape-shifting uh, entities uh, there. So like the... Uh, uh, the Kushtaka, which is basically it's it's an Otter Man sort of thing, and and the stories are, are very similar to that of uh, of like a Wendigo, uh, where you have this thing that uh, you know draws people out into the woods, and you know either one you know, eats them or two turns them into uh, another Kushtaka, which is kind of what you get with the Wendigo stories. So um, yeah, so yeah, you do have you do have different legends up there like that. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say, you know, they are the source of all the activity that's going on, but um, another, you know, another result of you know, those energies that are up there. Interesting. You know, I, I find fascinating, and I've only heard this around the north, you know, northern part of, of our United States and the Wisconsin area, the Pukwudgie. I, I wonder if that even exists around those areas that, that you've studied and or heard anything similar to it because i know it does have some tie-ins to native americans of that and that are indigenous to that area yeah uh you don't really hear too many of those type of stories in alaska it seems to be more toward the uh eastern part of the united states mm -hmm. um you know i've heard stories of pakwajis in new york pennsylvania as, as far east as like uh, new jersey um so yeah, I think that's it's more toward the eastern part of the state. But you know, every once in a while, a story will crop up um, from somewhere out west, and people will wonder, you know, is, is this a puckwudgie? So, you know, either you know the puckwudgies are migrating, or the stories are. I love the fact that you had an answer for that. Uh, what got <laughs> you into what got you into this? All of these studies that you've done through the years, and all the books you've written. How did you get started? Um, first off everything's connected so you know the, the the fact that i have my hands in a lot of different things is you know because it's it's not just about the ghosts it's not just about the ets it's not not just about the creatures or um you know different supernatural activity or the ancient technology or whatever it, it, it's all connected everything in the universe is connected um i first you know got interested in all of this because i had experiences myself dating back to when i was a child so you know my very first uh significant experience was a shadow person experience which is why i ended up writing the book a walk in the shadows because uh, i ended up having several uh experiences throughout my life uh but first and foremost was this one which i was lying in bed about eight years old uh woke up in the middle of the night and there's this tall dark figure standing in the corner of my bedroom and of course at that time had no idea about uh shadow people shadow entities that's the first edition of the book there's a second edition now um it had uh, no idea about uh shadow entities at the time i thought there was an, an intruder had broken into the house and you know was either trying to steal something or was about to kill me or something like that it's about what you think at eight years old uh, but of course i'm alive to tell the tale which is great so that <laughs> it didn't do all that um but it did do something very interesting it did get physical with me uh this thing approached my bed and i'm trying to scream my mouth opens up nothing's coming out because i'm just too terrified and it leaned over my bed I'm staring up in this blank black face. There's nothing there. No eyes, no nose, no mouth, nothing. And then it grabbed me by the wrists, crossed my arms across my body, and ran off down the hall, fall places into a closet. By that point, I found my voice, found my legs, ran off screaming in my parents' bedroom. And uh, you know, they're you know, very nice parents, trying to console me, called me down, trying to you know tell me I just had a bad dream. But I knew it wasn't a bad dream. I'd been awake for this whole thing. And uh, yeah, that was the, really the first thing that kind of set me on this path. 
And you said you had experiences with the same shadow person throughout your it, life? No, it wasn't or the same. Ones? It wasn't okay. the same. That was the only one with that uh, particular shadow. We lived in that house for 10 years. This was just a one-off experience. I would never call that a haunted house or anything like that. When we moved from that house that was in Massachusetts, we moved to Ohio. And this house that we moved into, I'm unpacking boxes, putting things away. And I kept seeing this figure standing in my door. I turn and look and off we would go, running toward my parents' bedroom. And this happened many times over the course of several days as I was unpacking and putting things away. I'd see this shadowy figure standing in my doorway and I'd turn and look at it and off it would go. It was different than the one that uh, than when I was eight. So I'm like 13 now, the other one was eight. And uh, this one at this new house was a lot more translucent in nature. Uh, it was very, very fast, would never come into the room, never approached me. I would always turn and run where that first one was very solid, very massive, uh, did approach me uh, and, and it got physical. So two different types of shadows. So after after a while of this happening, I ended up asking my mother about it. I said, hey, mom, you know, I have been seeing this a lot uh, around the doorway to my to my room. And she said she had also seen the same thing in the house. I don't know if she thought I was a little bit more mature at 13 than when I was eight. I don't know how mature you can be as a 13-year-old, but um, but she did tell me she had seen this thing as well. But she said it in a really disarming fashion that told me she wasn't really worried about it. She was just acknowledging that it was there. And so it did a lot of great things for me. One, um, you know, it was affirmation that, okay, I'm not crazy. Mom has seen this thing too. And secondly, it didn't really give me give me anything to worry about, nothing to fear, because mom wasn't scared by it. So, okay, this is a thing that's going on here. So I decided to get playful with this thing. And I started calling this shadow person Tom, like peeping Tom, because it would peep in my room and then off it would go. So I'd, so it'd come to the door and say, hi, Tom, and there it would go. And that activity lasted for about three or four months in that house and kind of subsided. So I just chalked it up to somebody or something that was there at the house, was curious about the new people that were moving in, deemed that we were okay and went about its business. So very, very different than the first one. We had a question from the chat room. Do you feel, mm -hmm. and this is for your first experience with your with the shadow man, uh, do you feel as if it was trying to tell you something when it crossed your arms? So, you know, I wondered about that for, for a long, long time. Um, you know, I, was, I was eight years old. I was very, very terrified. And that's all that could go through my mind at that time. Um, talking with people about it later on as I became an adult, uh, they were wondering things like, okay, was it, you know, did it think that I was dead and was doing something like putting me in a burial pose, like crook and flail, like something out, right. of, um, out of ancient Egypt? And, you know, a couple people actually suggested that. So I was like, oh, that's an interesting idea. So I kind of went with that for a little while. But uh, almost two years ago now, I went through a hypnotic regression to try to get at the, the heart of that. And what came out of that was really, really interesting. And I'm actually including uh, part of those uh, part of those sessions as, uh, within Shadow Dimension Season 2, which is my docuseries. Mm -hmm. um, and what came out of that was um, while I was in hypnosis, I got a viewpoint from the shadow entity, which is really, really interesting. So um, uh, the hypnotherapist was actually channeling somehow this entity. Um, Fascinating. And yeah, it really was. And 
considering people might say, well, that was like, you know, 35, 40 years ago. Oh, geez, it would be 40 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Dating myself here. Um, <laughs> you know, it might be 40 years ago. You know, how could they, you know, go back and communicate? Well, you know, time doesn't exist. Past, present, future, Correct. all concurrent. So she was channeling this entity from that point in our timeline. And I got a viewpoint of the shadow entity looking down onto my little eight-year-old body, which is really bizarre because there I am seeing my little 18-year-old's or little eight-year-old self trying to scream. Mm -hmm. And I was able to feel the emotions of this being, and it actually felt bad. It did not realize at first that I could see it. Mm -hmm. And what it did when it crossed my arms was it was trying to give me a bit of a self-hug to try to actually calm me down. And from that viewpoint, I could actually see that it tapped my wrist too. And then it got out of there so that it would stop frightening me. And the questions that the hypnotherapist, her, her name's Ariana Corsino, I highly recommend her. What she was asking the entity was, you know, basic stuff like, you know, who are you, what, where are you from, what are you doing there, that sort of thing. And what we got out of that session, the information was that this was a being from another, what they called space. We asked them from another dimension. And their response was, well, you might call it another dimension, but really it's another space, which is kind of an interesting but cryptic type of response. And basically what they were doing, essentially like a, a mission. They're on, they on a mission to study humanity and I happened to be the person that they were studying that particular night you know, while mm -hmm. I was sleeping. And again, didn't realize that I could see it until, you know, I was trying to scream. So uh, really, really interesting information there. Yeah, and that's I why know. it took off. Yeah. Right. yeah. I know I've had cases where the person has reported seeing the same entity throughout the years. It seemed like mm -hmm. it was in certain, you know, increments, like they may have seen it at you know, let's say at seven years old, and then they saw it again at 18, and then they saw it again in their 30s. And it's very eye-opening that you say that it was on a mission to study, because I've always kind of said, well, maybe these entities were just studying us, mm -hmm. and they were kind of marking certain people for migratory purposes to go <laughs> ahead and follow them throughout their life to, you know, continue their study. So that, that's fascinating. Yeah, or to get a better idea of, you know, how humans, you know, age and progress throughout their lives and, and things like that. So yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. We would we do the same things to creatures on our own yeah. planet now. And if we were to travel to another planet and find creatures there, we would again try to do the same thing. That that is is it's truly fascinating because I mean over the years and I've been investigating the paranormal for 37, uh, I've come across a lot of cases that involve uh shadow people and their interaction with people with not only people but children more than anything else and ironically you're here telling us about of your experience at the age of eight and you only had one um uh experience with the shadow person but i've i've also myself you know talking about things like this i was thinking to myself wait a minute i think i did have an experience but i was 14 years old and i addressed it earlier in the show and i was gonna go downstairs i was at a friend's house staying at a friend's house i was hungry I wanted to go down and get some more pizza and i hear this thump 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 i'm like okay so it's one of those stairs that you know went up and then it had a landing and then you went up the other you know landing and i was at the very tippy top and i'm hearing this thump and i'm like what the heck is that and when i look down i see at the bottom landing 
going about to about to head up towards me a shadow person and i'm thinking okay maybe i can't see who it is but it was a shadow person i didn't see any eyes or anything i could tell where the eye sockets were i could tell where the nose and everything was but it ran and as i stepped down it ran through me oh interesting you know and i found that to be fascinating because later on in years when i started studying shadow people they're supposed to be solid but this one went was solid enough to make the thumping sounds going up the stairs but it was it was able to actually evaporate as it hit me and i felt a cold go mm. through me and through my back through inside and through my back i even felt my hair yes i did have hair back then I, this is not <laughs> premature baldness or anything it, it's it's it was amazing to me and i i just i forgot that i was hungry went back to the room with where my <laughs> friends were and i said I'm not hungry anymore and I don't know what just mm -hmm. happened. And I told them what happened and they all laughed it off. I was like, no, nah, no, nah, this really did happen. Right. But have you in, in your research discovered that this is also have a, a tie in uh, to children as well? Well, that's and that's an interesting question, because I, I do believe children see um, and experience a lot more things than adults are willing to admit and there's a couple of different reasons for that one you know conditioning you know mm -hmm. as children were growing up and you know we're seeing and experiencing different things you know our parents because you know they're they're trying to protect us they're trying to keep us safe they don't want us to feel frightened so anytime something like that happens like with my parents you know they're trying to console me call me down try and tell me i just had a bad dream or you know it was uh, for others, they might say it was part of their imagination right. or, um, you know, maybe they had recently seen a scary movie. So, you know, that that's the reason um, because they don't they don't want a child to believe that there are these types of things in the world and they would you know be perpetually scared because they don't because children don't understand what's going on. It's something that's foreign to them. So it's it's frightening. Um, so there's that part of, you know, the conditioning out of it. But children. Um, when they come into this world, you know, they've just recently been in that other dimension and what you might call the, the spirit realm or uh, a lot of people have different you know terms for it. But they were just recently uh, a part of that dimension are now coming out of it and they're fresh into this world. So they still have that connection back. And I believe that because uh, with your own personal uh, energy resonance, vibration, that sort of thing, uh, we become tuned into different things like i'll see more shadows and apparitions and other people see more apparitions and shadows um and i believe that's because my body has become in tune to those types of things so that when you know it's in the room it's like okay something's here and i might even you know be able to see it and i think that's you know the case with with the children when they're coming here they're still partially in tune to that world and so they're able to see more of these different things now, what is your actual classification of what makes a shadow person? You know, because we've talked about all the different things they possibly could be. But by your definition, what do you call a shadow person? Yeah, so I have a whole book on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I because I they're not just, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> they're not just one thing. And, and so yeah. that's when somebody asks the question, what is a shadow person? It's like, well, um, how long? But I mean, you by your definition. Like the difference between yeah, me being on an investigation and I see this whole body shadow, mm -hmm. it could be different degrees of darkness, but then I have captured on 
film is actually VHS. That's how old it is. VHS, a shadow person with the top hat and, you know, the very tall guy with the top hat, he was pacing back and forth in a foyer going through the walls back and forth. Um, You couldn't distinguish anything on his face or anything like that. So what's the difference? Is there any difference as an investigator? There's a couple of different things going on here. So, I mean, okay. it's, it's the way energy is manifesting into our dimension. Now, you know, these could be, you know, they could be human spirits that can't fully manifest as an apparition. They could be extraterrestrials. They could be interdimensional beings. They could be light beings, astral projections, um, just a whole slew of different things that they could possibly be. Time slips, like we mentioned earlier. Um, but... When that energy is manifesting, for one, it has its own frequency. It has its own resonance that it is suddenly vibrating into our dimension. Everybody else, but humans, uh, we each have our own uh, personal resonance and frequency and vibration as well. So the human body resonates between um, about 9 and 16 hertz, but everybody's a little bit different. Nobody's exactly the same. So you have these two different things at play here. And a really good example um, of how we can all see things a little bit differently is uh, we were on an investigation at Mineral Springs Hotel in Alton, Illinois, and we saw rolling black smoke uh, coming from down the hall. And it ended up morphing into this apparition of a little girl. Five of us were there, saw her, but we all saw her a little bit differently. Where I saw her fully formed from her head down to about her knees and then she dissipated away. Others saw her fully formed at her feet and on upward dissipated away at the head. So everybody was a little bit differently. And that's because you have you know this, this entity that is resonated in a certain frequency that's different than the rest of us. So you know if I'm, I'll just say maybe I'm, vibrating at nine and a half hertz and another person on the team is you know 14.3 and this little girl somewhere around 11 or whatever uh, we're all going to see this a little bit differently and actually talk talk about the spirit realm they're probably not even within that frequency range of humans it's probably a little bit of a different scale there um so that's why we're we're seeing these things differently where you know and i'm sure you've had uh the case where you're on an investigation, you see something pass right through the room, person was standing right next to you. You're both looking in the same location. You saw it and the other person didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, we were discussing something similar to that, except that it wasn't an apparition. It was more so how I've had two voice recorders running at the same time. One recorder will pick something up, the other one won't. Mm-hmm. And it's it, you know, to me, it's frustrating, but at the same time, it also indicates that for some strange reason that that's the phenomenon that's part of the phenomenon and i I, i'm wondering you know after what you just said that people's minds work at different frequencies could that be the reason why some see and some don't psychic mediums can and you know us regular joe blows who can't uh just capture a glimpse of it but psychic mediums can actually see more is that a possibility? Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, and you're talking, like with psychic mediums, you're talking about activation of the pineal gland. Um, when you're talking about brain brainwave state, you know, you're talking mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, alpha, delta, theta, all of those different. Right. But even when you're in those ranges, you're at different levels. Yeah. So, you know, you could be standing next to a person that's on a very different wavelength than you currently are at that 
that point in time. So yeah, there's a lot of different factors here. So, you know, to, to try to scientifically get down to it, are we all going to start, you know, walking into paranormal investigations with gadgets on our head to measure those waves? I, I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't mind. I, I mean, <laughs> if it can open me up to, to understanding more, mm -hmm. sure, I, I'm open to that. You know, as far as I'm concerned, it's it's just the way things are. But um, when it comes to the, there, there have been some individuals that for other reasons or or not do pick up on them slightly and some don't and i also ended up getting a phone call uh from someone very special that that i i consider a hero and hopefully we can you know get that person to actually come through um but unfortunately that may not happen for a few seconds uh because i'm waiting on my producer uh but when it comes to this phenomenon that's going on at no not that picture the next one um yeah there we go the one before okay oh, so i got <laughs> not that one let's stay on this one all right so hello I, I, we're having we're having technical difficulties. I guess. Yeah, I saw it though. Yeah. So, yeah, we we I got a phone call from Harrison Ford, and he said he wants his look back. Um, and I was wondering <laughs> because Indiana Jones, you know. So, were you look going for the look of Indiana Jones because you almost got it down? The hat's a little bit of different color here, but you were. Yeah, I like his hat better. <laughs> um, no, I wasn't necessarily going for the look. It was um, the, the reason why I got the hat was, you know, in Egypt, the first time that I went uh, was the, the middle of June or well, more toward the end of June into July. It was basically the hottest point of the season. And you, you need to wear a hat on your head. Otherwise, you're going to get totally fried. So, um, you know, and you can see the the mesh at the top of the hat and that's to allow airflow. So it was totally functional that looks like the photo that you have there is from ireland though but uh yeah I, I bought the hat um to help out with my first foray into into egypt and uh yeah it, it does kind of resemble indy's hat there so. yeah it does um <laughs> <laughs> so do you think that the occurrences that the people report of their shadow person you know the the hat man do you think that this is a singular entity that shows up in multiple locations for multiple people, or is it like a type or I don't want to insult anything by saying like a breed. Um, but do you think it's just species? Yeah. Species? Um, I, I would say, yeah. Species. Yeah. And, and um, so, you know, when it comes to um, you know, the hat man, the hat wearing entities, I mean, one, some of them are going to be, you know, human spirits that happen to be wearing, you know, a hat, you know, maybe that was the way they died or maybe the way that um, they just had a favorite hat or something when, when they were alive. And so uh, that's the way they, they end up appearing is, is with the hat. Um, but I think others are, um, you know, are trying to mimic humanity. 
and uh, you're know, trying to maybe almost like blend in sort of thing. So they they don the hat. Uh, you, you have some interesting stories like the, the the Hatman story that I well, there's a couple of them I like to tell, but um, the the one that I've been telling here a lot lately is with Albert K. Bender, uh, who in 1952 had founded the International Flying Saucer Bureau, but basically got scared off of it for a number of years. Finally, told his story um, sometime later by three hat wearing entities that. Uh, basically emerged from the wall in his bedroom and told him that he had to stop his research until they had uh, completed their mission, which was, according to them, harvesting resources out of Antarctica. Um, so he basically said that uh, in his experience, these were extraterrestrials. These were extraterrestrial beings that were you know, trying to look like humans and interact with him. Okay. I hear the story and to me, it's like, well, these are all these, you know, paranormal hat man stories uh, that I've been hearing for years. Other people hear the story and say, well, these are the men in black. So it's almost like depending on your viewpoint and kind of that lens that you're viewing the situation at, as to, you know, what you end up defining these things as. So it's almost, but to me, it's like, are we really just talking about the same thing here when we're talking hat people, men in black? you know, the paranormal hat person, you know, it's, you know, a little cryptic. I, I believe me personally, uh, whenever I've dealt with cases that involve children that have seen the hat man, not, not a shadow man, because there's a, there's mm -hmm. a huge difference. The hat man just stands either at the closet, the foot of the bed or by their bed, never touches them. Yours is actually the first time that I actually heard where you experienced at the age of eight, where it touched you. But it, it, it showed sympathy through your hypnosis right. for crossing your arms. It was almost as if it was trying to comfort you because it sensed that you were in fear of it. And then it took off. And what I found to be fascinating is that one of the things that did work in one of the cases that I was working with the hat man being seen by, I believe she was seven years old at the time. So one year less than you. And we came up with a way to a placebo effect, if you would. To where we could actually help her feel emboldened and take back her power so i brought with me a spritz bottle put some glitter mm -hmm. in it and i said hey whenever you feel that this hat man is visiting you just turn around and spritz and you know what it actually worked because the energy output she was putting out was enough for it to make it go away but i believe having gone through so many of these cases they're extra dimensional in the sense of beings not spiritual now shadow people i believe could be a little bit of both because they usually just look like a person it's a silhouette of a person but the hat person the hat man it's always wearing a fedora type hat or it's wearing a, a top hat or something like that and it usually has some kind of distinct connection to children almost as if they're there to observe not really interfere do you feel well, and, and it really depends on um, it really depends on the entity itself. Um, I, I believe each case is individual. Yeah, I've I've heard plenty of stories attached to children. The mm -hmm. one that I just told there with Albert K. Bender, he was a grown man. Yeah. Um, there was an interesting case on uh, in uh, Greenwich Village. In uh, used to be the home of uh, of Walter B. Gibson, who under the pen name of Maxwell Grant wrote the Shadow Stories. And, uh, you know, he, he lived in that uh, house for quite a number of years, 
he didn't experience anything crazy while he was there. But after he moved out, the people that had moved in started experiencing this you know, hat wearing shadow entity, primarily in the hallway, but other areas throughout the house that they routinely saw. Uh, paranormal investigators like Hans Holzer, this is kind of how old the story is, yes. would, you know, went there, investigated, and some people started chalking it up to a uh, Revolutionary War spy who they believe may have been killed in the house. Well, Gibson starts hearing these stories, and he and uh, and John Keel supported him on this, said, no, 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 it, it's, it's not, you know, your traditional ghost or shadow or whatever. What they believed it was, was the manifestation of all of the energy that uh, Gibson had put into creating his shadow character had manifested itself as a sentient being. So now we're talking like Tulpa here. Um, it was a thought you know, that, form then. The thought form, yeah, that, that idea of the Buddhist thought form mm -hmm. that had uh, manifested itself as a sentient being within that house. So now you're talking, okay, this is a you know hat-wearing shadow entity that is not like these ones that show up at the foot of the bed at night. That, that is not like what uh, Bender saw in his bedroom that he was related to in ET. So I think you have to take each case uh, individually when you look at that. Right. I, I don't believe you can say every hat man is this, every uh, you know wisp that you see is that, yeah. uh, or hooded figures, you know, they're only this, because I've seen a lot of different cases where they could be a number of different things. Yeah, I read an interesting book um, way back in the day. I would think it was like, 2007 2008 maybe and it was written by linda alice dewey and she um is a psychic medium who says that uh spirits come to her because they're earthbound and she crosses them over and when they come back they tell their story and in her second book it was um the ghost who would not die it was about a um a slave who was earthbound and he discovered that he was a shadow person because he discovered he was darker than the other spirits that were around. Now, from his viewpoint, he hung out with a group of other shadow people and they like to do bad things. They were the kind that were kind of like a gang, you know, of, okay. of teenagers, you know, they're going to mm -hmm. go just cause mischief. And so eventually he decided he saw something horrible that was getting ready to happen to a little girl. And he managed to manifest enough to stop that event. And he felt good about himself. So he decided to not hang out with the shadow people anymore and that he started doing good deeds. And he noticed that he lightened up and he was hmm. no longer dark like the shadow people. And then eventually um, he did come to her, you know, to be crossed over. And then, you know, he was able to make his transition. But I, I always thought that was a very interesting theory it ties into the one theory that people have that shadow people are actually just human spirits yeah I, again i think there are a lot of they they are a lot of different things you have to take it by on a case-by-case -case basis and you know a lot of people think when they hear the term shadow person like in that case it, it was almost like okay the shadow people are the bad guys and the mm -hmm. you know the lighter apparitions are the good guys and i, I think a lot of people you know, make that generalization that, you know, if they're a shadow person, that must be dark, evil, nefarious, et cetera. Um, when going back to a, uh, another psychic medium way back in the day, uh, Madame de Esperance, who was there during the uh, spiritualism movement, she was a uh, physical medium, uh, late 1800s into the early 1900s. And she had a, a number of different stories about both uh, ghosts and 
shadows. So the house that she grew up in as a child, as a child was haunted with, with both. And she was actually scared of the ghost. She was scared of the apparitions and she would actually run to the shadow people that were there in the house. Cause they were friendly to her, friendlier to her. And so um, those were her, her protectors at that particular house. But, you know, she grew up, moved out of that house, got married, moved into a different house. And there were uh, shadow entities at this newer house as an adult that were not as friendly. And she did not like those particular shadows. So, uh, again, I think it just really comes down depends to you know, each situation. each. It depends on the situation. Each entity has their own motivations and desires, you know, yeah. independent of what they actually look like. Yeah, I know. I'm a psychic medium myself. And sometimes on an investigation, when I first come across someone, they do often present themselves as a very dark shadow. And then they kind of check me out, figure out whether they can, you know, show themselves. And then I will have them come forward a little bit more. And then they turn into a human um, hmm. spirit. Interesting. Uh, that's happened more than once, actually. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. It, I think it's safe to say, Mike, that shadow people have gotten a bad rap just because of how they present themselves. You know, oftentimes, right. it, just like anybody else, you have to, it doesn't matter what they look like until you actually speak to them and get a better feel for who and what they're all about. Don't judge by the book of the cover or the cover of the book in the situation. Right. And the same goes for shadow people. And that's pretty much where we're at. So as, as we're getting ready to wrap up, uh, are there any future projects now? I, you know, being in TV myself too, I know you really can't go much into it because of contractual obligations, but is there anything in the near future that we can be expecting from you soon? Well, this Friday, uh, Ancient Aliens, we're doing a uh, Alaska Triangle episode, and so uh, you can you can watch that 9 p.m. on the History Channel. I'm um, also in post production on Shadow Dimension Season Two, and that will be out later this year. And of course, I have a number of book projects and things like that as well. Um, so the other other episodes and you know TV appearances can't really talk about. There will be more Ancient Aliens down down the road. Uh, but other stuff I haven't been given the okay yet on. Um, yeah, I know that. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, events. So I have a, uh, um, this June, and I have some different conferences and, and things that I'm uh, appearing at. But um, I have you know, my own uh, personal event, the uh, Connecting the Universe event, which is at uh, the Bell Mansion in Fort Wayne, Indiana. So that is uh, an entire afternoon diving into uh, a number of different esoteric topics like uh, ancient Egypt and uh, you know, time travel, Atlantis, these sorts of things. Uh, so uh, I encourage people to, to come on out to that. Awesome. Uh, and how can people get in contact with you and keep track of all of you? Because you're, you're everywhere. Every time I look, you're in either Egypt or, you know, somewhere else. But how can Ireland. they keep in contact with you? Ireland. Yes. Right, right. Yeah. And we're doing Egypt again next year, too. So the dates are April 17th to the 28th, 2024. Um, Mohammed's still working on putting the registration page up. Uh, but, yeah, you can find me. MikeRickSecker.com is my primary website. I have an online learning portal, which is uh, ConnectedUniversePortal.com. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, later tonight on my youtube channel we'll, we'll be doing a uh, egypt recap so you can follow me on uh, youtube and other social media as well facebook instagram TikTok, all that stuff awesome well thank you very much mike for being on the show we appreciate it and your insight into everything that has to do with 
the Alaska Triangle and, of course, Shadow People and Mr. Hatman, which you happen to be <laughs> guilty of right now because, you know, we included you in with Indiana Jones. But right. hey, you know what? <laughs> it's all in fun the way I see it. Absolutely. Thank you. thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you both for having me. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Yeah, it was a pleasure. pleasure. Thank yeah. you. Bye-bye. Bye. So there we have it, ladies and gents. Uh, oh, I was the star for two seconds. No, you still are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Mike Ricksecker, very interesting conversation with him. Fascinating. And very fascinating uh, look into shadow people. I think they've gotten a bad rap. What do you think, Vic? Because I really do. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that... Um, Especially when he told the story about how the shadow person was so upset that he had scared him. Yeah. You know, when he crossed his yeah. arms, that he had that empathy that, oh my gosh, I scared you. And you know what? I have told a lot of people that even though you're scared with your encounters with the paranormal, that usually is not the spirit's intent. They don't intend for you to be afraid like that. It's just a byproduct of encountering something that you are not aware of, that you are not familiar with. And it just, it's shocking and it's scaring at first. We're naturally going to fear that which we do not understand. It's human nature. And it, it was, you know, thank you, Lisa, for, for the compliment. Great show. Um, it, it, it's true. This is going to always be our reaction to fear first and then ask questions later and then go, oh, I shouldn't have been afraid. <laughs> it is what it is, but that's why we paranormal investigators and individuals like Rick uh, or Nick, uh, Mike, sorry. Mike. I don't know why I'm thinking Rick. Mike are around. Mike Ricksecker is, is very well versed in this and has written several books on it. And in fact, he, he's already written um, an, uh, uh, two books on the very subject matter and another one on the way. And he has a series on it. So, it's something to look into if you ever have any questions when it comes to shadow people. People that are not all bad. Look, I'm wearing black. I'm not a bad guy. Don't look at Vicky right now. So, you know, it, it is what it is. It's just, you know, black looks best on some people. Uh, and you know what? One of the things that I really, um, when he was talking about mm -hmm. uh, at our different frequencies and he was talking about psychic mediums and their different makeup and stuff, it reminds me of something that my shaman said to me one time. You know, I've never myself have gotten this super great reading. Like my shaman is one of the few people who have done it. Um, and I asked her, I said, why? Why is it that some people, you know, are easier to read that, you know, people with ability, sometimes people can't read them. And she said, it's basically it has to do with our level that we're freak that we're working at or our frequency. So if I'm here, and someone tries to read me and they're down here there. You can only read from your frequency down. Agreed. So if someone is already operating above you, they can't read in that space. Then there's, so there's people that like kind of confirmed it. Well, there's people like me. I'm, I'm empathic, but I, I, I've learned to keep that under control. Sometimes it does get out of control, but <clears throat> empathy to me is here. Psychic medium and so on go on but i i prefer to keep it that way when it comes to empathy because when i have to interview clients i can actually connect with them at, on a more personable basis and understand and feel exactly what they're feeling and help them best and of course 
you know, if you're, you know, already here and let's say you're here, you already went through this. So that's already a part of, you know, your evolutionary stage when it comes to your psychic abilities. But that, that being said, that's something that we all have to experience on our own, but thank God we have greetings from beyond radio and you and I to actually help us understand everything that goes on. So, um, we try. Yeah, we try. If anyone wants to get a hold of, of you, Vicky, for a reading, where should they go and give them all the information right now before we have to end up hitting the airwaves? And okay, leave you can send me an email at nancy, N-A-N-C-Y, 38drew, D-R-E-W, at AOL.com. Yes, I'm that old. I'm referring to Nancy Drew. And I made that email when I was 38, and now I'm for uh, <laughs> years old um and um but you can send it there or you can find me on facebook at readings by vicky v-i-c-k-i-e make sure you spell it correctly or you end up with this other one with a y and we won't talk about her because she's not yeah, i know because she doesn't exist and i am adding last night was my first uh, virtual reading party the big head um, reading party the big head, yeah. I discovered how big <laughs> how big my head is on Zoom. Okay. It was it was very frightening. I pushed the computer as far back as I could and still be able to see everybody. But it was very successful, minus a few little glitchy things, computer issues in the very beginning. Um, so those are some things. Once I I think I'm gonna look for a better form than Zoom. But once I figure out what that is, um, I will have that available. And um, if you are local, and it could be Dade, Broward, Palm Beach, Martin, or St. Lucie counties, if you want to host a reading party, you can send an email to that same email address, nancy38drew at AOL.com, or my Facebook, Readings by Vicki, B-I-C-K-I-E. All right, there you have it. Um Remember, uh, this show is every Wednesday, 5 to 7 p.m., but we will be changing after April 5th show with Brian J. Kano to a 6 p.m. Eastern Standard to 8 p.m. time because I, I think it's better for our listeners and viewers and followers to actually follow along and have time to get home from that ugh, horrible, horrible rush hour traffic back home from work so uh come those April, people on the east coast yes at least on the east coast but it's it just seems to be everywhere you know but we've been listening we've we've read your emails thank you very much for writing in and we will be changing it's just that we've already made these plans with a lot of these individuals that we've uh agreed to and in, in, interview and we have to stick to their schedule as well but everything after april 5th it's open and it's up in the air. So, you know, stay tuned for next week. Uh, we will have our POD points of discussion as to what we discussed this past week or this week. And then a little bit more into the subject matter that's going to be what we will be discussing. So remember, everyone, you what, know. What, what, what? One more what? thing. Hold on. What? And on YouTube, down in the comment section of yes. this particular video go ahead and comment if there's any topic you want us to discuss anything you want to hear more about go ahead and leave us a comment in the comment section there on youtube and we will see about talking about your topic definitely we're, we're all about listening to our viewers we appreciate your support and of course 
your opinion does matter with us. So please leave a comment down in the YouTube section. And as I always state, as we close every single one of our shows, live life. Don't let life live you and peace be still.